Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Story Archives. I'm your host, Mario Busto. And today we're going to go through the rest of True Detective because I didn't have the patience to watch an episode, then stop, record an episode. So we're going to do it all. We're going to do it live. It's going to just be straight brain to mouth uh, commentary here. And it's just me solo. So you get a long Mario soliloquy. You get one of those from me. As I think about everything, as I think about how True Detective Season 4 really actually didn't disturb my sleep. Uh, I thought it was going to absolutely uh, destroy my sleeping patterns, destroy my peace of mind. And I got to say, I've been haunted by the imagery of the damn guy sitting up in his bed and pretty much saying, Evangeline, your mother wants to see you, bruh. I watched that far too late at night. I had to play about two hours of FIFA just to uh, just to slightly get the imagery of the guy going full. Evangeline, you know, shit freaked me out, man. Overall, we're going to take a high level look at this. If you haven't watched True Detective, um, go watch it. Go watch it and then come back to this. I'm recording this upon uh, just having woken up. Busy day ahead. We got a busy schedule of recordings coming up. We got Masters of the Air. We're continuing our series on that. Feels like it's really picking up some traction. It feels like now people have just starting to get into it now. Um, we're getting a lot of requests to cover Constellation on Apple TV. And we do have plans to watch the episodes today. Uh, depending on how uh, we like episodes one and two, we'll determine if we do a series on it. I'm not going to make any promises. You know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I like to speak before we uh, confirm things, you know, but I do like to make the audience happy. If there's demand for it, the show's good. We cover it. Apple TV typically doesn't let us down. I did start the first five minutes of the new look. Um, it looks cool. Really cool premise. It's about uh, Christian Dior, I guess, uh, the founder of Dior. and Chanel, and he is essentially kind of like this hero in France post World War II, where Germany occupied France for four years, and he's very much the hope of France. Feels very uh has that Mad Men vibe to it. I like Ben Mendelsohn a lot. Uh, I think he's a fantastic actor, and uh, I want to tune into that. Don't know if it'll be podcast episodic coverage, but uh, nonetheless, looks really solid, and I'm looking forward to that. Just so much good TV out. Um, just, just so much damn good TV out. Uh, what else did I finish recently? I started the Patriots Dynasty. Okay, on Apple TV, that's fantastic. Uh, only two episodes out, so I'm gonna kind of let that ride. Today, lots of hype. Uh, Drive to Survive season five, I believe, or season four, just dropped this morning, probably, or it's going to drop. And then a lot of hype around Avatar: The Last Airbender. I haven't watched it myself. I may watch it later. Um. And I'll let you guys know on the anime side of things. I don't watch. I'm not up to date on most of it, but I did start watching one called Solo Leveling. 
and it's pretty fantastic. So I'll leave it at that. You know, you get a lot of variety here. I like to give a lot of variety because I enjoy a lot of variety. I like a lot of music, like a lot of films, TV. So F it. Here we go. True Detective. Full season wrap up. Ranking these amongst all the True Detective seasons so far, I'd say it's number one, personally. Uh, I know there's a lot of hype with season one, with uh, McConaughey, with Harrelson. Actually, that's very tough for me to put this over season one. But in terms of actual intriguing, I have to click to the next episode. Season four tops every other season of True Detective so far. It's not even close. Uh, Jodie Foster's great. She reminds you that she's great and that she can carry a series. Um, you know, I think that there's just actors out there who can legitimately put a series on their shoulders and do it. I love the setting, how creepy it was, Alaska in the long night, just day and night darkness. Uh, I love that. Um, and just the overall storyline. I've always felt that True Detective, and we talked about this in ep- when I did my episode one coverage. So it's kind of, this is kind of a cool thing to kind of see like what my thoughts were after episode one, not knowing what the hell was going to happen. And then now that I've watched the full season, I've always felt that True Detective took a lean into the spiritual or, um, yeah, the spiritual realm, you know, the the world of spirits and um, demonic activity, that kind of stuff. I felt like that was kind of prevalent. I always felt like the spiral somehow was associated with that. Uh, we still really didn't get a good answer as to what the spiral is. It's still pretty freaky to me, but we've had a common theme with that damn spiral going back to season one. So um, what it is, I was expecting some sort of secret society. I was thinking way more like they're doing satanic rituals and they're trying to like sacrifice people and blah, blah, blah. And maybe this guy tried to kill all these researchers to bring back his girl to life. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I will say all the spirits were freaky as hell. Uh, series have a tendency of trying to let you know what's going to happen before it happens. You know, uh, for example, there's a moment in the season when Rose Aganow is talking to Evangeline, uh, and he is, I mean, she is essentially saying, um, the, the differentiation between the spirits because she can see her, see spirits. She can see the dead. She sees her dead husband, Travis. And he come, he came back and danced like in the snow, right? And so she she kind of differentiates them. And I'm I'm forgetting all three of the classifications, but one of them was like they want to tell you something or they just want to see you. The other one was that they want to take you with them. So there's like bad intent and then there's good intent and then there's kind of neutral intent, right? Now, if you look throughout the series and you see all these things, I mean, they all look freaky as hell. The guy sitting up in the hospital bed, I mean, that looked like something straight out of The Exorcist. I, that shit was horrifying. Uh, but nonetheless, every one of the spirits had a, a, you know, a goal for the people. You know, Jodie Foster's son, Holden, uh, he wanted to say something to her, right? And so he was kind of always the imagery of that polar bear with one eye. Uh, I don't know what the, how that ever came into play other than personal peace for Jodie Foster's character. You know, I will say this, in the West, and maybe people will, uh, this will resonate with people. In the West, I was listening to a sermon by a pastor named Timothy Keller. He passed away last year, unfortunately. And he said that only in the West are we surprised by the activities of the spiritual world. Are we surprised by um, demonic activity and stuff like that? But 
if you go to South America, you go to Africa, you go to places, uh, probably like East Asia, it's common. Like the belief in spirits is normal. It's natural. People believe in it. It's only in the West that we've adopted. I don't know, maybe in the last hundred years, I don't know what the exact year count would be that we've adopted this um, mentality of, you know, only the material exists. But this show clearly is diving into the fact that there's so much more. There's so much, there's such an extra layer because it's, it's true detective. Yes. But half the time Evangeline's character is getting messages from the spirits that are helping her find things in this case, you know, from the visions she has in the desert to uh, the fact that when they fall into the ice cave system, she has this sense that something's in the direction that she's going. So the intuition is very much tied to that spirit world. And um, Jodie Foster's character is like the classic, classic Western atheist, probably, uh, who doesn't believe in the spirits and only believes what's in front of them, but they used to believe, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, she kind of comes back to it at the end where she does believe in um, the message that her son left her and, and the fact that something beyond her comprehension is occurring in front of her. Um, and I think that, that show, the show does an incredible job of detailing that, also detailing the fact that the message that Evangeline thought, I guess she was right but also wrong. One of the um, one of the kind of struggles she has is that she doesn't know her actual Inupiaq name. I think it's Inupiaq or something like that. And so she actually gets it through a vision. So the whole time, whenever she's seeing these creepy people that are telling her her mother wants to see her, her mother wants her to join her, blah, blah, blah. It was to tell her what her name was, which was, I can't pronounce it, but it, but it's, it means the, the, the light after the long dark. Um, Although at the end, my impression is that Evangeline did kill herself. She walked into the snow. I didn't like that they glorified suicide like that. I thought that was not um, glorified, maybe the wrong word, but it did very much feel optimistic in her suicide. And I didn't really care for that too much. Um, True Detective, all in all, I will say season to season. I haven't watched season two, so maybe that's an outlier. They don't do a, they don't really give you that A, B, C, you know, X, Y, Z. They don't like give you everything, A to Z of what you want in terms of a picture perfect ending, of, in terms of understanding the ending completely. And so it leaves you a very much open ended in a lot of ways. We did get more closure than I feel we usually do get in, in that we know who killed, um, the Salal Station researchers, we know who killed Annie, all that sort of thing. I was shocked, but yeah, yeah, I was shocked that it came back to those women, like just this group of women who wanted revenge on these men for killing Annie. And then at the end, the detectives were like, well, hey, we could go down the route of uh, prosecuting these women, or we could just let things be and say it was an avalanche. Yeah, uh, I feel like justice prevailed in some sense here uh, in in the series, right? Like you have these women who, let's be honest, like the Salal Station, they were paying the mine to pollute the area. So the the protesters were correct. And, you know, there was these subtle hints that something was wrong in this town when you kept on seeing like stillbirths and and kind of rumors of stillbirths among the Inupiaq people. Uh, and there was a sense that something was wrong with the nature from the beginning of the series, where the hunters out there 
and the reindeer are essentially so scared that they jump off the cliff. Now, um, we were kind of at point at points led to believe that the spirit of Annie was the one that was avenging things. And I still think, and I could be wrong. I'd love the comments to let's have a discussion about this. Uh, that she killed the men. The women do say that they they left their clothes there for them and told them to walk off into the the night country or the long dark or whatever. And uh, they did, and they didn't come back. So that was their their signal that Annie killed them. But we don't know. I will say we saw a lot of like Annie spirit, right? Like when when Evangeline is going to turn on the power, and you see there's a there's a flash frame, and you see her uh, in the background, like by the light pole. So. And then you got these weird moments like with the damn orange rolling, which is also pretty horrifying, and and the tongue on the floor, and like the footstep, like the hollow footstep, like somebody's somebody was there. So really creepy, really creepy. And I do think that Annie did kill them, and I do think that there that was an element here, uh, to the point where the theme of this, like people who did not pass peacefully, Pryor's father, okay, when he kills him. Uh, and he's burying him with Rose, which, by the way, that was p- the story. Part of the story that I liked the least was the fact that Pryor had to kill his dad. But you figure it was either greed, or they had some sort of blackmail on him to use him the way they did. So he kills him, and he's talking to Rose Aganel, and he's and he's burying him, and she says, "You have to put him in the hole. You have to finish what you started." And it kind of, you kind of get this sense that, like, if he doesn't, then the circle is not complete, right? You also got that sense, too. There was a lot of weird elements occurring in the show, right? The moment in the beginning of the show where the guy's TikToking the sandwich he's making. And I'm out. I'm out with these guys who are just able to get back to their life after they freaking brutally murdered this girl. Like, I mean, it's horrifying to think about. Uh, it, like, the guy who was TikToking and making a sandwich didn't seem like the type of guy who could do that. But I guess you never know. Um, but as he's doing, making that sandwich and you see, uh, Raymond Clark in front of him having like his little seizure spaz out and he, and he says, she's awake. Um, there's this time, it's almost like they kind of stumbled in like some sort of time travel thing, right? Where, uh, Evangeline is turning on the power, the power goes off, the power turns on and she makes eye contact with Raymond from the past. And he makes eye contact with Evangeline from the future. And it almost looks like that stems the the seizure, so to speak. Right? Because we didn't get an explanation too much for the seizure or the time blips. And I think that's the point because not even the people on the show, not even the damn writers probably know uh, what happened there. Who knows? Who knows? I will say this. I think all in all, I think the women rounded up those men. And I think Annie killed those men. Because at the end of the day... They looked back horrified at something. They all died with that horrified expression that was just frozen onto their faces. So I think Annie did kill them, right? Uh, Perhaps Annie didn't kill Raymond because she loved Raymond or Raymond loved her. But Raymond at the end of the day ended up strangling her to death. So I think Raymond chose himself in that moment, right? Because he knows that if he doesn't finish the job, the researchers will probably kill him too. Yeah. I did think it was a little, they said they found a DNA, a DNA microorganism that was able to reverse 
decay was able essentially it was like the answer to immortality that's what they were insinuating okay and they said they found it okay i get it but there was like zero explanation on that at all i don't know i wonder if see like when they do a season five i'm assuming the spiral will also come into play this is the season that came the closest to answering that for us and it really the answer was that it was a symbol to stay away from that's all it was a part of the ice that hunters said to stay away from so they'd leave those rocks or those spirals over places where you could fall into uh an ice cave or something by the way uh danvers and evangeline would be dead if uh if that tunnel <laughs> if that cave system didn't connect to the researchers tunnel in uh salal station i'm all it's also crazy that the whole time it was underneath their feet the murder scene like that that was crazy to me um i will say i don't man there's so many open answers like they say that the way they talk about she's awake it was like she's always existed like this is older than anything before and the and the the organism that they supposedly had like re um i had gotten samples from it the permafrost was frosting uh defrosting on that felt like some sort of that they, they had awakened something that they shouldn't have awakened it just all felt like it could have been more interesting but then it ended up just being oh these researchers got mad because she destroyed their work what work did she destroy you needed the permafrost to defrost so did she i guess she messed up the samples or something also it's kind of crazy to me that these women, like these, like they're cleaners, these janitor women, and like they're kind of like they're the unseen in the night country. They're the ones who work in the off hours. Okay. It was kind of crazy to me that they could, they had pieced together the entire investigation, like cooperatively. Like you had the one woman who was taking pictures of, of detective files, and then you had the other woman who... Uh, went down into the tunnel, climbed down that spooky ladder, and then she saw the exact tool that was left there that they stabbed Annie with. I mean, crazy? I don't know. It's the ending. I think like like Alien shows, murder mysteries oftentimes have a hard time of landing the plane in terms of like the you, you get the wow factor of like, oh, wow, I'm blown away. Wow, that was incredible. Though I think the main show that's ever done that to me was uh, The Killing, um, season two, and and believe it or not, uh, Nick Pizzolatto. Uh, if I, I might be wrong on this, but I believe Nick Pizzolatto, um, who's one of the showrunners or the writers on this show, wrote uh, an episode called Orpheus Descending, um, on The Killing season one. But if you ever go back and watch that, I mean. I'm not going to say which episode you, you get blown away by. And, and maybe by now there's been so many detective shows that it won't have the same effect. But um, I will say that I was just shocked uh, in, in that show. Like it was just payoff after payoff after payoff. It felt like also coincidentally um, Danvers son's name is Holden, which is the name of Joel uh, Kinnaman's detective Holden. And, um, in the killing so i wonder if that was like a little subtle shout out because it danvers really did feel a little bit like muriel you know's character from the killing and maybe he wanted to get back to that um so yeah overall incredibly well done show incredibly well done series and i'm glad it was a mini series 
um, it was kind of just the perfect amount of time for something like this. I will say not not very good for Alaska's uh, tourism industry. If I had to say, I don't think anybody's going to be wanting to visit Alaska off of what occurred in this show. I was a little disappointed that Evangeline didn't end up with Kavik at the end. I, I felt like Kavik really got the short end of the stick. Uh, although she felt like more of the man of that relationship, she she definitely felt like the more manly of, of the two, weirdly enough, even though he was like a burly guy. Uh, she was very much the the big spoon in the uh, in the scenario. So Kavik, all he gets really is his SpongeBob toothbrush as Evangeline walks into the tundra and, and kills herself. Danvers makes peace with her daughter, who kind of had her little moment, was in the right, but you know Danvers was between a rock and a hard place. It's like she, it's not like it was common knowledge that the mine was behind all of it to the degree that they were. I mean, they literally criminally were, and they they won't pay for it because if they had to pay for it, then the other women would go to prison. So. I don't know if there's a scenario where Silver Sky Mining gets shut down or or whatever it is, but um, yeah, in order for those women to get away with what they did to the researchers, and that's what needs to happen. But uh, I would love to see Jodie Foster return in this series. I thought she was just so good, but it does feel like a perfect bookend for her her character. She closed the case that had been haunting her for years. She has peace with her son. Um, I will say who gets screwed in all this is Pryor. He had to make the decision to shoot his dad, which his dad didn't really leave him a choice because his dad was going to shoot Danvers, right? So in that, he did do the honorable thing of of killing him. However, he does have to live with that horrifying secret, that horrifying knowledge that he did kill his dad. So that was really morbid. That was very dark. And it would have been preferable, but if he didn't have to do that. But he did seem to have a very good understanding of who his father was, that his father was a corrupt cop, that his father was not this great guy, right? So even to the point where we really don't get an explanation as to why why his dad's allowed to keep all these um, files in his, um, in his house, right? We don't really get an explanation for that. So Seems like he is the corporate interest in the sheriff's department there of what's going on in Ennis. And because it's Ennis, which, by the way, Danvers makes this comment that Ennis has been here longer than uh, the town's been here longer than the people and the sheriff's department. And she says it's been here similar to like that comment that they made about the organism that they that they're researching. Right. It's like that Ennis exists before all this, that Ennis is kind of like this, in, this sentient spiritual being right? That kind of governs its own territory. So found that pretty interesting. Overall, fantastic journey. It was a nail biter. I couldn't, I was going to do episodic like episode two, but it was so good. And I had to keep it moving. I, I just had to keep watching. I had to keep watching the show. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Another good one. I, I wasn't expecting it. You know, I wasn't, I enjoyed season three, but it was not like I was looking up when is season four of True Detective coming out. So. I know there's a lot of True Detective coverage out there, but um, I wanted to do my little take on, on the series and, and go from there. I don't know what happens after this. I think we continue with the same formula of getting an interesting actor and putting him in the detective role. I would love to see them revisit a former character and kind of bring it to the past. And I really do... Like my hopes for the show is that we finally get a proper explanation of what the spiral is and why it's this universal symbol that you find all the way in Alaska, 
and all the way down in, I guess, Louisiana. I forget where season one and three took place. I think season three is in Alabama, maybe. And season two is in California. I have to speak ignorantly of season two because I didn't watch it completely. But yeah, I would love to know just how these things are all connected with that spiral because it all feels very demonic to me, if you ask me. Uh, it's freak, and that's what freaks me. That that's like more freakier to me than like some most of the horror genre is that I'm telling you the the most memorable scene in the this entire season is when Danvers and Evangeline go to the hospital, and this guy is waking up. I think it was Lund, and uh, he does that freaking his body just goes up like a. Ugh. But you know that that was happening throughout the series, like when Rose is skinning the wolf and he growls while he's literally has his guts outside his body that was it's creepy like it's unexplainable phenomenon that is just occurring throughout the series so yeah yeah it definitely leaves an impact definitely leaves an impact all right keeping it moving i know this this is a solo pod so they're shorter guys i'm talking i'm talking for 25 straight minutes here on the on these pods so there's not really that discussion aspect if you want send the hate mail um to soap uh contact the soapbox.house if if you want to let uh, Zach know how you feel about robbing you of the commentary aspect that you could have had on this particular episode, but instead you get a 25 minute monologue from me, um, hiding his bad hair under, under, under this beanie right here. Uh, anyways, thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed uh season four of true detective as much as I did. Uh, I'm going to be shifting gears now. Got to catch up on masters of the air this week. I want to watch episodes one through three of Constellation. Uh, I, in a best case scenario, I would like Constellation to be episodic, that we do cover that episodically. So hopefully that answers the questions to the requests we've gotten out there. I also want to fit in some Drive to Survive. I'm an F1 fan, still rooting for Mercedes, even though we got the news that Lewis Hamilton is going to Ferrari. And I still have to muster the strength to watch the final episode of Hard Knocks so that I can cap that damn series and just move on to next season with the Miami Dolphins. So I know most, well, not most of you, but some of you are not interested in the sports stuff. And you hit us with the go back to Apple TV shows. Go back. We don't care about Netflix. We don't care about, well, too bad. I'm also interested in this show, uh, Tokyo Vice, I think it's called. It's on HBO. Ansel Edgord's in it. I like him from Baby Driver. He's he's damn good. Um, Yeah, so. We'll go from there. Anyways, y'all, thanks for tuning in. As always, if you like this video, if you like this podcast, you can hit subscribe. You can rate us five stars. You can like this video. It does wonders for us. So share it. Share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the way for a young, budding, independent media network such as ourselves. Podcast network, whatever. Anyways, y'all, take care. Have a great weekend. See you on Masters of the Air and hopefully Constellation. Peace out. Come here. Say it's figured out. What is it exactly? The pain is the amount.